I lean on other guys to kind of help me with, with any type of, uh, you know, with, I try to put myself into a room with the guys who know the most about that stuff and make sure I'm the dumbest guy in the room and then I ask as many questions as I possibly can. So that's, that's my learning process. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Drew Pearson. You are listening to the Pearson Perspective. This is a deep dive into the stories and mindsets of successful business operators and investors. Let's go have some fun. All right, today I'm with my good buddy, Will Haney. Um, we've known each other for a long time. Will is a really interesting guy. He is uh, kind of got started in some crypto a long time ago. But what's real interesting is he's kind of continued to learn more and more about investing. Um, I think there's a lot to learn today, and we're going to have a lot of fun. Will, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, great, man. Um, you're from Shreveport, the same, our same hometown. How in the world did you kind of get involved? I remember like 10 years ago, you were kind of in this whole Bitcoin thing, um, and that turned out to be a pretty good idea. How, how did all that come about? Man, it, the, 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 more, the more I tell the story, the, the harder it is for me to, you know, the, the, the more unraveled it gets. But uh, essentially what happened was I spent three years after school, after college, uh, went to LSU with you, obviously. Um, I, I kind of was just toiling around trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I spent some time kind of working in the health and fitness industry. Um, and I was in Nashville for two years, lived in Richmond, Virginia for a year. And then finally, I kind of got to this point to where I was really uh, you know, lost. I didn't know what I wanted to do, um, you know, for the long haul. <clears throat> and so I, uh, decided to kind of take a, take a break. And, uh, I moved up to Alaska and, and essentially made some money fishing up there and then spent the next two years, uh, traveling. And somewhere in that mix, I think whenever I was in Alaska, my brother Brown called me and he said, Hey, man, you know, I, I came across this, this, this thing on Reddit and, uh, you know, it's, it's called Bitcoin, you know, and this is literally, I think, 2013. Um, and I think Bitcoin was changing hands at that time around, I would say between 80 to $130. And uh, so he kind of found it and he said, you know, you want to throw some money together and we'll, we'll start a little LLC and we'll just, you know, just buy it to hold it. And just like anything uh, you invest in or you have exposure to, he, you know, really was kind of, reading every day, learning more about it. Um, and he would, you know, kind of call me and tell me, you know, this is, this is actually pretty interesting stuff. You know, we, we should really kind of look for opportunities in the space and this and that. And uh, effectively what we found was there was a massive arbitrage opportunity in the markets where you had the big players at the time, it was literally just Coinbase, Gemini, and I think Kraken was around and you get an institutional account with these exchanges, which were literally the only three ways you could buy Bitcoin. Uh, and you could turn around and sell it on these peer to peer exchanges. And I mean, it, you know, on the low end for four, you know, three, four percent markup. But some days, you know, when the market's got really crazy, your spread could be 20 percent on an arbitrage scheme. And, and you, you know, you effectively have no risk in arbitrage. So we were buying Bitcoin and then turning around and selling it for a premium. And we were just doing, you know, we were doing as much liquidity as we could squeeze into this entity. We were just, you know, passing it through every single day. And uh, ultimately, that that kind of started to close up for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you know, the margin started to get slimmer. But also, as you probably won't be surprised to hear, this is 2014, 2015. Uh, some of the stuff, some of the Bitcoin, we were actually starting to 
you know, the, one of the first groups that we're actually starting to process, you know, KYC, which is know your customer, uh, you know, laws and, and actually collect driver's licenses and IDs and actually do all the stuff, you know, we were being asked to do by the government. Um, we kind of started to come across a lot of people who didn't want to, you know, share their information with us or, or people who were being really sketchy. And, and we, you know, we just said, you know what, enough is enough. Let's actually move forward to a more, you know, uh, you know, uniform and legitimate practice. So we, we got into what, you know, that was the beginning stages of, of a company that we're operating right now, which is called Telecoin. And that's a cryptocurrency kiosk company. And so what we did is we found this guy who was out in Encinas, California, who was taking uh, Gen Mega, which is a big ATM manufacturer. They have a universal kiosk that you could literally build a back end to sell anything. Uh, and this guy in California had built um, a back end to sell cryptocurrency. So, so we started talking to him. Um, and we, we, uh, I think our, we had a prototype machine down here in New Orleans that we had in a cafe down here for a few months and just said, you know, this guy in Atlanta made it for us. We'll see if we can make any money trying to sell Bitcoin in this cafe. And we actually did really well with that little machine, but you know, it was, uh, you know, for example, it had an electromagnetic lock. So whenever the power would go out in the cafe, the machine was just unlocked <laughs> and anyone could just open it up and take the cash out of it if they wanted to. But, uh, so, so we graduated up to a, a, you know, a bigger, nicer machine. Um, in a gin mega kiosk and, and we put three out in new orleans they did extremely well right off the bat and uh and then we grew that business organically um into five different states i think 13 different markets um and uh you know the rest is history um and then in 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 what we're actually kind of pivoting to now drew is we have a new company called Crypto Flip, and, and I've been kind of quarterbacking Pelicoin. Brown has been, you know, adjacent to me quarterbacking Crypto Flip, and uh, and it's a SaaS. And essentially, what happens? We plugged into this software company's uh, software, and and put an API on there where people could go into one of their customer stores, which they have seven thousand nationwide, and uh, buy Bitcoin in their stores using their existing software. So we're kind of in the you know nascent stages of of, of launching that and uh, and trying to you know garner more of their clients and bring them on board and uh, and uh, you know operate through them. So that's kind of our next step. Man, what a story, dude! It's just <laughs> incredible. I feel like I only understood like half of what you just said. <laughs> um, I saw I, I I saw you smile whenever I mentioned the last because I remember the day I, I left after, after working four months up there in the bush. I was walking through the airport in Anchorage and I heard someone go, hey, me. And I heard <laughs> it was you and your brother who just happened to be walking through the airport in Anchorage after a fishing trip uh, that you guys yeah. went on. So that was hilarious. We had a hell of a trip. We did a self-guided uh, raft trip down the Antioch River and it was awesome. Um, yeah. We were a little bit early for the for the king salmon bite. We caught some nice fish, but it was great. Yeah. So we'll have to go back to Alaska one day. That sounds like a for lot sure, of fun. For sure, man. For sure, I'm Here's the burning question I never can get out of my mind. If I was smart enough to buy Bitcoin in 2013, which I wasn't, if I'd have bought it for a hundred bucks, the day it went to 200, I'd have been out. The day it went to 300, I mean, we are selling it. No way. How in the, why in the world did you hold on to this stuff for so long? Or like, what do you, is it like a DNA thing? Are you really smart? Are you really stupid? Like what happened? Uh, in, in a word, it, it just conviction. I mean, the more we read about it, the more we thought it was something that was really going to catch on. Uh, usually, I get that question from the other side, which is someone going, "Oh, well, I could, I could have helped. You know, I could have bought Bitcoin like you did, and you know, that didn't take any work." But yeah, it, it, you're right. It's like once you've gone 
a thousand X on your investment, it's like, okay, is it time to get out now? And, and, and for us, no, it really wasn't. So in the last year, we, we did unload a little bit in the last year um, and we rolled into some private equity and private debt deals and, uh, you know, kind of diversified a little bit, got to some real estate. But um, yeah, man, we're, we're, you know, we're still bullish even through this market. And uh, I think, you know, especially Ethereum, there's some pretty exciting things on the horizon. Uh, with Ethereum and their their uh, you know ETH 2.0, so uh, yeah, we're we're, uh, we're we're holding for the long haul. See where it takes us. Yeah, well, I, I think you're probably on the right boat. You know, when when especially when you got on the boat, it's really important. <laughs> so so y'all are looking at some. In my experience, people who are big, what I will call Bitcoin people or Web three people. It's like we're speaking a different language. You don't have like a good value based mindset. You, your thought of investing and mine are very different. Sure. I wouldn't say that with you. And that's what really kind of impresses me is you kind of have this Bitcoin area, but you also can live in what I'll call the real cash flow world too, which is impressive. Um, how are you thinking about different opportunities? Maybe they're debt opportunities or, or real estate plays to kind of balance out where y'all are. Well, so, so, so we mentioned before we started the podcast that you, uh, you know, you talk to uh, to Doug Stokes, and I guess I'll be on the week after him, so he'll he'll be y'all's last episode. But um, you know, Doug has really helped me kind of turn the corner with that stuff, and and you know, I'm fine of his. But the way I think of it, and kind of something of a mentality I fostered from him is 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 that you kind of want to silo, uh, you know, each tranche of assets or investments or whatever you have into into different into different silos and. I also kind of put those silos on a, on a spectrum of risk. And, and obviously at one end of the spectrum, you know, we have our cryptocurrency holdings uh, and that's where we have the most weight right now. And uh, you know, whenever we have opportunities, sometimes we try to, you know, like I said, last year unloaded and, and then, you know, try to rebalance your portfolio. Uh, on the other end, I see real estate. I think it's, it's, it's not going away. Uh, they're not making any more of it. It's super safe. Um, you know, it's almost like you have a guaranteed return there. So, so, in between that, we have, uh, like I said, some private equity and private debt uh, exposure. Um, and uh, yeah, man, we're just we're just trying to keep a, a well-balanced portfolio and um, and make sure we take advantage of all the deals that, that are out there. And, and, and I lean on a lot. Of, like I said, I lean on Doug, but also, you know, I've talked to you a few times. I've talked to another guy from Treeport, Ballard Johnson, and, uh, you know, another one of my colleagues here in New Orleans, David Chase. And I'm kind of always talking to people and picking their head, you know, picking their, their brains apart and trying to find good deals that are out there and see if we can come up with the liquidity to, to you know, to commit to the ones we like. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's hard because if you're looking at a lot of deals, it takes a lot of brain power. You're also running Pelicoin and you kind of have this new crypto flip going on. What's the team or structure look like? Or is it just you and your brother um, kind of knocking all this out in those three years after college uh you know and even whenever i got back into new orleans from 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 traveling i i just i learned that i really don't like managing people it's it's something that does not come naturally to me and i and i and i and i shy away from it so um yeah we've never had any employees on with any of our entities and any any type of labor or work we need to to you know to, to have done we just outsource or contract people to help us with that um, so I forgot the question, Drew. <laughs> no, that you answered it. We, we don't, okay. we don't have employees. Uh, we, we figured yeah. it out. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I lean on other guys to kind of help me with, with any type of, uh, you know, with, 
I try to put myself into a room with the guys who know the most about that stuff and make sure I'm the dumbest guy in the room. And then I ask as many questions as I possibly can. So that's, that's my learning process. And I love it. You told me that we had lunch at a superior a while back and you said that, and there's just so much humility in that statement. And it's actually harder to do than you think. Most of us want to be smart or thought of as smart, but, um, sure. That's it's a pro move. It's a pro <laughs> move to be at the table with other smart people and just say, yeah, let's, let's do that. That sounds good. Yes. It, 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 it's, it's like a, you know, you're intellectually freeloading off people, but everyone loves to talk so much about what they know a lot about that. Uh, you know, people don't really think about it that way, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sure some of those guys I mentioned earlier are probably like, man, this is the third time Haney's texted me this week trying to ask me about, uh, you know, you know, some kind of 529 loan or something like that. Yeah. What's a cap rate? Haney, come on, man. Get on the internet. <laughs> right. That, that's why I love the podcast is I get to learn so much from you and from everybody else. It's just, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, man, I'm sure. It's, uh, I've, I've listened to, to the first few episodes and, uh, and, and another guy, good friends, Scott Weston, and uh, he, he's helped me a lot with real estate deals as well. So, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's been great so far. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, um, again, I don't know a whole lot about crypto and, uh, you know, all I know is like blockchain is the pipes for the future, infrastructure for the future. Where do you kind of see all this going in 20 years? Um, I don't think it's going away. It's it, 20 years is quite the horizon for, for you know, talking of it's a 12 year old asset class. Um, some of the places it's already gone is no one could have ever guessed, you know, talking about, you know, JPEGs of rocks that are selling, tra- you know, for <laughs> millions and millions of dollars. Obviously, there's been some head scratchers uh, along the way. But I mean, I think ultimately the way to think about it is that anytime you need to transfer value in any capacity whatsoever, you can have kind of the old system where, you know, you have a computer to maybe a, some kind of uh, intranet or, or some kind of internal server that stores that data or everyone can, can share it. And you, you don't, you're not relying on one single point uh, that could fail. So, so, you know, I think some of the more interesting use cases of it, you know, you hear these guys talking about, um, or I'm not sure if you heard of this bit in Nick Rog, where they were talking about, uh, and I think to some degree did roll out uh, a blockchain based uh real estate, uh, you know, they put all the deeds and chains of title onto a blockchain. And, and, you know, they did so because they were starting to have like, you know, Zimbabwe in the 90s, they had the situation where, you know, Robert Mugabe, who was the prime minister at the time, started saying, hey, you know, this this 10,000 acre farm that you have, I think this actually belongs to my cousin now. And they're just literally <laughs> taking people's property from them. Wow. Um, and, and so they started to have this kind of crooked, you know, process that was starting to unfold in Honduras as well. Uh, and uh, excuse me, I said, say Nicaragua earlier. I think I meant Honduras, where they essentially said, we're just start putting all these chains of title uh, on a blockchain. And that way, whenever someone comes along and says, you know, who owns this, who owned this before, you know, the current owner, whatever, it's all available. It's, it's publicly accessible uh, information. And, and I mean, that information is, you know, you look at a tax assessor website, it's already publicly available. Why not go ahead and put it on a blockchain? And that way, there's, uh, you know, it's immutable. You don't have to worry about, uh, you know, some paperwork being filed incorrectly or anything like that. It's 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 all there uh, moving forward. I totally get that, and that makes a ton of sense. I don't know how we we profit off of that or who we pay to put it on the blockchain, but like a public good, that's a great public good right there. Yeah, it, it's it's and it kind of you know is another use case, I guess. But 
I went and had lunch with um, the owner of a of a multi branch uh, title attorney office um, mm-hmm. that's based here in New Orleans, and I'm sure you already know where this is going. But he kind of said, you know, how do we how do we get you know a foothold into to this new process that's you know inevitably going to take place? Um, and I think the answer is that you're not. You know, I, there's you know in 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 20 years, I would hope that. Uh, with the technology we have available that if you wanted to buy or sell uh, a house that the only person you actually need to come out there is the inspector who makes make sure you don't have any termite damage on your house or you know because effectively everything in that process could and should be automated that's great i don't know if i like the whole automated world but what you're saying makes a lot of sense sure you know, I mean, people are buying houses. I've bought two houses sight unseen just with like a, a walkthrough on a phone, you know? Sure. So if I can do it, we, we certainly don't need everybody else involved. Right. Well, cool. Um, so, you know, walk us through kind of how are you, are you still looking for new, what we'll call kind of crypto opportunities or is it really balanced between kind of crypto and more alternative um, you know, I'll just call them deals. I, I think that in the interest of having a well-balanced portfolio and, and adjusted for, for risk, I would like to look more into, uh, you know, real estate, private equity, private debt, find some, some good opportunities out there in those categories. But we do still look at a lot. And, you know, we're still very heavy in the cryptocurrency. And Brown is, uh, he kind of quarterbacks a lot of, you know, you mentioned Web3 earlier and then some of the lending platforms, you know, basically finding opportunities uh, that are out there in those categories. And there are tons of them. I mean, there's tons of them. And if you have, you know, if you have the weight to really take advantage of them, there's some great deals. Um, but yeah, I mean, we really look, you know, wherever I can find a good deal, I'm interested. I just, uh, I, I, I tend to want to find something that's further down the spectrum of risk than where we are right now. Um, Because, you know, in the past year, if you say, you know, look at the equities market, it took a 20% dump and then it came back up 10%. So we're net down 10%. Whereas, you know, Bitcoin was at $69,000, it's at $20,051 right now. So that's a little bit more of a tumble than the equities market uh, took. And if you had a a better distribution of your your, uh, portfolio, then uh, you're, you're, you're kind of hedged against that. So, And that's why I go back to my original question was like... I don't know. You, you have a really strong stomach to be able to, to the conviction not to sell, to go. I mean, hasn't, hasn't Bitcoin cra- crashed seven or eight times now? Um, yeah, I think that, so that's a, that's a great question. So I think that the reason I do have a stomach for that is that I don't know anything else. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have any money whenever I started doing this. So I didn't, you know, it, you know, like you mentioned earlier, it, it if you want you two X or three X, you know, your investment, you know, why don't you just take it all out? Well, at that point, I didn't know that was good. <laughs> I was 24, <laughs> 25 years old. I'm like, okay, well, made a few thousand bucks. Let's, let's let it ride. And, uh, awesome. and I think in, in having those 80% drawdowns, you know, like you said, I think, I think we've been through it four or five times now. So having an 80% drawdown, you know, in the equities market is that's, you know, that's, that's actually the, the day I was born, October 1987. It's, you know, it's, it's a, you know, complete uh, meltdown in the equities market. And like I said, we've been through it four or five times. So it's kind of like you just scratch your head and go, well, it'll go back up in four years. And that works until it doesn't, you know. So, I mean, I do want to diversify. Uh, but as for 
you know, watching these massive collapses, we've done it so many times now. It's kind of like, uh, you know, I've become numb to that. I've been baptized in fire and I, and I don't, you know, it doesn't, right. it doesn't bother me that much anymore. Right. I just can't help but think like wh- what skills you've kind of learned from that, that you could apply somewhere else. Um, that's just a really interesting experience over the last five to seven years. Yeah. I think a lesson that you can take away, especially in equities, but in other, in other, in real estate, everything else is that, um, you know, it's, there's undulations. It goes through cycles. You know, if you're patient, it, you know, you're, you know, patience, you know, there's a reason why the equities has returned 10% on average for the past 30 years. But I mean, if you take a smaller time frame, you can find plenty of instances where you can lose a ton of money if you sell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that you just, you know, buy and hold forever, no matter what the cost, but, uh, you know, patience is, is, you know, I think Buffett had a quote that something defective, you know, the, the difference between the winners and losers in, in the markets is, you know, patience. Yeah. That's what I love about you. I mean, there's not a lot of Bitcoin bros who are quoting Buffett. It, it just, <laughs> those things kind of like are opposites, you know? Yeah. I, I try to have as much breadth as I can. Um, I'm definitely not some, you know, moon boy. Uh, you know, it, it's almost like, you know, 2017, early 2018, some people are like, oh, this this dumb internet coin that Haney invested in is actually, uh, you know, it's like I was, you know, it was like, okay, I told you guys, I've been telling you for years, but <laughs> since, since then, it's uh, it's almost like there's so many guys out there in the internet who are like just total like moon boy, like championing everything crypto related, that it almost is like annoyed everyone else <laughs> in every other sector of you know social social media or the markets that they kind of just think you're you're you know. Right, you're you're a nerd if you <laughs> you have that much exposure, but uh, it's worked for us, so we're gonna keep hammering it. Yeah, man, that's uh that's really cool. So let's talk about a little bit. Of, you you have a new real estate venture up in uh, in Covington where I live. Um, do you want to talk about that at all, or kind of what your plans are there? Yeah, I'll just gloss over it. Um, it's something that uh, so so specifically with short term rental stuff. Uh, Scott Weston has been a great resource for me. And um, he mentioned about, uh, I think when they were talking about commercial, commercially zoned units in New Orleans uh, on his episode with you guys, he was talking about a, a unit he has on Carondelet. We actually have a, a unit in that building as well, uh, which he kind of tipped me off to and said, hey, this building is commercially zoned with the new short-term rental laws. You know, this is how this is going to shake out. So we took advantage of it. Well, St. Tammany Parish essentially kind of you know, because some people were getting upset about bachelor parties who were written fishing camps down in Slide L. Mm-hmm. The entire parish just said, you know what, we're going to also make an ordinance uh, that will effectively ban short-term rentals except for a certain, you know, certain niche properties. Well, that property has what's called a rural overlay, and it's up just north of Covington, about halfway to Folsom. And so I waited, you know, for about eight months and was constantly talking to the parish office and saying, hey, you know, under the new ordinances, this property would be, you know, eligible to get a few short-term rental permits, correct? And they're like, yeah. And then so the day that they passed the ordinance, I put an offer on the property and it was accepted. And so we're, we're really excited that we're, you know, working with the architect right now. We're going to build some kind of, you know, I, originally I wanted them to be tiny homes, but it's kind of, you know, it's, they're, you know, thousand square foot, you know, two bedroom, but very small format houses out there. And it's, it's got 700 feet of frontage on the Bogafly River. Um, so that's a really pretty river you guys have up there. It's like a spring fed river. So it's nice, clear ish water and sandy banks. And, uh, it looks very, 
you know, it's a, it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition when you're walking out there through the woods and you come across this kind of clear river in the middle of South Louisiana with big white sandy beaches on each side. So, uh, but yeah, we're really excited about it, man. I spend as much time up there as I can. That's awesome. Uh, you're going to do great. Uh, you know, we've got barriers to entry, people who want to be outside, you know, everybody I know has four and six kids, it seems like. And so everybody needs a place to go outside. It's going to be awesome. Sure. And Scott, Scott has, he, he bought a place up in Summit, Mississippi, yep. uh, which is a couple hours north of us. So I'm, I'm, I'm undercutting him. I'm, I'm taking his kneecaps out and I'm an hour away. So uh, there you go. I'm going to put Scott out of business. I think that's one of his best properties too. He told me. Yeah, he, does, he, does, <laughs> he does great with it. I, it, I think it's that, that's it. That, you nailed it though. I think it's, New Orleans is not really known to be an outdoorsy city and we have tons of transplants who come from out West. And, you know, it's, it's, in my opinion, definitely per capita, it's the best city in the country for, for entertainment and for going out on the weekend and having a time. And every weekend there's, you know, you have four new restaurants, you can pick between what you want to go out to, but it, when it comes to, you know, hiking and, and, you know, getting out in the woods and, you know, even getting by, ironically, as a city surrounded on all sides by water, we really don't have a whole lot of places you can get in the water. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, it, it, it uh, I think we're taking advantage of, of that kind of niche market there. You know, people who live in New Orleans and want to get outside and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll come spend a weekend up in uh, St. Tammany Parish, uh, you know, enjoying it up there. There's no doubt, man. Um, no doubt. I feel like you can get 300 bucks a night, all night, yeah. all, every, yeah. every day, you know. I, I hope so. I hope you're right. Yeah, I'll come stay. We'll come. We'll come give you like the pilot <laughs> trial run. All right. Nice try. I will really appreciate it if you'd leave us a review on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere you're listening or watching to this show. Thanks so much for joining us on this audio adventure. Let's go have some fun.